1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. May be seated. A few Sunday mornings ago, we began a new series entitled Taking Action Today for a Better Tomorrow. You can take charge of your life. You can change your life for the better by taking action now for a better tomorrow. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian apologist, once wrote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and you can change the ending. As we've learned, faith is a starting point. Faith is, in fact, the starting point. Faith is fundamental. It is essential. Faith is the foundation, the beginning of a successful life. But faith is not all there is to building a successful life. Action is required. Tell your neighbor, say, action is required. Action is required. Tell your other neighbor, say, action is required. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, you may not feel like it. You may not know it until today. You may not believe it until today. You may not feel like it. But his power is at work within you. If you're born again, if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, his power is at work within you. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That is true. That is a Bible fact. But what if we demonstrate no initiative on our own behalf? Will God really do it all for us? And of course, the answer is no. Once there was a minister, and he was very sad. He was very depressed. Things were not going well. Things were not going well in his life. They were not going well in his family. They were not going well in the ministry. 
And so one day, this senior minister, he went into the sanctuary. He knelt down at the altar. He was feeling very sad, very blue, very alone. And he knelt at the altar and he lifted his hands and he said, Lord, I thank you that I am nothing, nothing, nothing. As he was doing that, the assistant minister walked in and saw this display, which he was impressed by, thought it'd be a good thing to do. So the assistant minister knelt down at the altar next to the senior minister, and he too began to pray, Lord, I thank you that I too am nothing, nothing, nothing. Well, the church had recently hired a new ministry intern. This young man was just getting started out in life, wanted to learn the ropes of ministry, wanted to be a good, faithful minister. And so he walked into the sanctuary, and he saw the assistant minister and the senior minister kneeling at the altar praying, thanking the Lord that they were nothing. And so he thought it would be a good thing to do. And so the new ministry intern, he too went and knelt down at the altar, and he said, Lord, I thank you that I too am nothing. And after that, the assistant minister looked at the senior minister and he said, well, look at who thinks he's nothing now. <laughs> Teal Osborne once told my father and me, it's easy to get people to believe in God. The greater challenge is to get people to believe in themselves. So I'm here to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what someone has told you, a loved one someone close to you, someone that lets you down. Our Heavenly Father, He loves you. He believes in you. And His power is at work in you. His power is at work through you. And as Jesus said on more than one occasion, this means that with God, all things are possible. Today's message is the incredibly positive power of impetus. Now let's begin with some quotes about impetus. Ronald Reagan, the great U.S. president, once said, my philosophy of life is that if we make up our mind what we are going to make of our lives, then work hard toward that goal we never lose. Somehow, we went out. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, the playwright, novelist, and scientist, he said, difficulties increase the nearer we approach the goal. Herodotus, the Greek writer and historian, said, some men give up their designs when they have almost reached the goal, while others, on the contrary, obtain a victory by exerting, at the last moment, more vigorous efforts than before. Francis Bacon, the English philosopher and statesman, he said, a wise man will make more opportunities than he finds. And one of our other great presidents, Thomas Jefferson, once said, I'm a great believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. With God, all things are possible. And he wants to do immeasurably more. But will that happen if we have no impetus in our own lives? People often talk about the positive power of momentum. But momentum, by its own definition, is the measurement of time it takes for an object to come to a complete rest or stop. Momentum 
no matter how wonderful it is, momentum is temporary. So the word we're looking for is not momentum. The word we are looking for is impetus. Impetus is a moving or driving force, an impulse or stimulus that results in increased activity. Impetus is the property possessed by a moving body in virtue of its mass and motion. It's used of bodies moving suddenly or violently to indicate the origin and intensity of the motion. Impetus tells us the cause of motion and progress. Impetus is the force or energy with which a body moves. Impetus is the force that makes something happen or happen more quickly. Jesus said in Matthew 11 and verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. So does your life have impetus? Is there an inward driving force that compels you to do better, to achieve more for the kingdom of God and for your family? Well, if not, there should be. 1 John 4 and verse 4 tells us that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Romans 8 and verse 11 tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he dwells in you. So you got to give up the grumbling and the complaining and the whining and the pouting and the excuse making. You know, as parents with each of the children at different times, we deal with different things. The other day, Samuel was pouting about something, and I, I just had had enough, and so I told him, Samuel, every time you pout, I'm going to spank you. Give me a pouty look, pouty noise, pouty face, pouty tears, you're getting a spanking. No more warnings. And you might be here today and be a sensitive soul <laughs> and be totally horrified. Well, pouty young men turn into pouty older men. So in your life, you have to have impetus, a driving inward force that compels you to do better, to do greater for the kingdom of God and for your family. Number one, impetus in work. Impetus in work. Do you have impetus in your work? Is there an impulse or a moving or driving force within you that motivates you, that drives you to work hard, to be a greater success, to make progress for the kingdom of God and for your family? 2 Thessalonians 3, beginning in verse 10, the apostle Paul wrote, for even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, and notice Paul is very specific, not work. We understand that there are those that because of serving our country or because of an accident, they don't have the ability to do certain things. We understand that. But we also see with our eyeballs that there are those who refuse to work. There are those that refuse to be productive with their lives. And it's one thing for that to go on out in the world, but that should not go on in the body of Christ. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if 
any would not work, neither should he eat. We've often referenced the German proverb, when a man's stomach grows hungry, he begins to think. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busy bodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So don't be a busy body. Don't be a drama person. You know, sometimes we'll hear about this or that, and Jessica and I, we wonder where, where people have time for drama. We're busy between church and work and parenting. We don't, we don't have time for drama. And that's what spankings are for. Amen. <laughs> so, so don't be a busy body. And we should work quietly, making progress little by little, and we should eat our own bread. Say, say my own bread. And right there, somebody might have an excuse. Well, I just read this morning before church in Proverbs 20, I believe verse 13, the King James, it says, Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. So there's no excuses. No grumbling, no complaining, no, no excuses. Open thine eyes. Get busy. Go to work. Be productive, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. I believe Pastor referred to that two Sunday mornings ago. So there it is. Mark it and underline it in your Bible. To mind your own business and to work, to be productive, to work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respective outsiders, so you will not be dependent on anybody. So what is the goal of our lives? We ought to win the respect of others, not just those in the body of Christ, but even those outside the body. And even if they don't believe like we do, think like we do, they ought to be wowed by our integrity. They ought to be wowed by our productivity. We ought to win their respect by the quality of our lives. And what is the goal? To not be dependent on anyone. We, we look to God. He is our source. He is our supply. We are dependent on God, but not on man. We're dependent on God, but not a politician. Dependent on God, but not the government. The goal is to not be dependent on anyone but the Lord. You might be at a place in your life where this is new to you. And maybe you're dependent on family members. Maybe you're dependent on this or that from the government. Go to work. Be productive. Make it your goal to be more productive so you will come to the place of independence where you're not dependent on anyone. And maybe you can't get there by tomorrow, but if you'll be busy, if you'll be productive, if you will focus, if you will apply yourself, it won't take that long and you'll come to the place where you won't be dependent on anyone. Number two, impetus in giving. Do you have impetus in your giving? Is there an impulse or moving or driving force within you that motivates you, that drives you to give, to be generous, to make progress financially, so you can be a greater blessing 
to the kingdom of God, to those in need, to your family and loved ones? Is there a driving force within you that compels you to be a greater success so you can be more generous this year than you were last year? Malachi 3 and verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Say, so much blessing, you will not have room enough for it. That, that's what happens when you live your life connected to God, doing things God's way. As the Apostle Paul said, being productive, not being a busybody. You know, years ago, this was uh, 10 plus years ago, and maybe this will be a word for someone. And I, I, it's not that I saw it on Facebook or I'm reading your mail, amen. But 10 plus years ago, you know, it just seemed like there were, there were guys all the time hanging out, and instead of being at work, they're hanging out at Starbucks. Well, you're not a 17-year-old or 18-year-old in college on your study break. Go to work. Be productive. You know, and there was all this talk about doing deals and doing this or that. Well, nothing, nothing came of it. Don't be a busy body. Be productive for the kingdom of God. Bring to the house of God what belongs to God. He'll open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough for it. Luke 6.38, the King James, Give, and it shall be given unto you. You know, this week is a week of gratitude and thanksgiving and giving. Don't be the family member that shows up for a meal and doesn't bring anything. Now, if there's a child in here and you're five years old, you're okay. <laughs> but, but it never ceases to amaze me how family members and relatives, they'll, they'll show up and they'll expect a smorgasbord of their heart's desire and they don't even bring a bottle of soda. Bring a pie. And if you're just a lazy daisy, go down to Sam's and they got some pies. <laughs> I always tell Pastor Sue, don't worry about it, Mom. Because at Sam's, they got pumpkin pie, they got pecan pie, they got apple pie. So I, I'm good. See if she's watching right now. So be a blessing. Be a contributor. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. God's word should be the impetus, the driving force in our giving and generosity. Yet how many are willing to do what the word says? In the first post-COVID giving statistics that I have seen, only 13% of American evangelicals tithe. So somebody came to me and said, Austin, why are so many of God's people not blessed? My answer is they don't work the plan of God. They don't work the plan of God, or they don't work it faithfully and consistently. Only 13% of American evangelicals tithe, while half, say half, half of American evangelicals give away less than 1% annually. Less than 1%. And the article actually mentioned that many give about $200 a year. And the richest 
most prosperous nation on planet Earth. God's word should be the impetus, the driving force of our action and our generosity, yet how many are willing to do what the word says? Number three, impetus and action. Impetus and action in what we do, in our action, our work, our efforts. John Wayne once said that God helps those who help themselves. Now again, if you're a sensitive soul, you might have a hard time today. But there is a lot of truth to that. And no, it's not necessarily Bible, but there is Bible truth in that. Again, he can do immeasurably more in our lives, but will that happen if we take no initiative? Will that happen if we take no action? Will that happen if we're a busy body and we're not productive for the kingdom of God? Impetus is a moving or driving force, an impulse or stimulus that results in increased activity. It is the property possessed by a moving body in virtue of its mass and motion, used of bodies moving suddenly or violently to indicate the origin and intensity of the motion. Impetus tells us the cause of motion and progress. It is the force or energy with which a body moves. Impetus is the force that makes something happen or happen more quickly. There are doers and there are do-nots. There are those that complain and say nothing's happening. And then there are people that make things happen because they have impetus. Be that kind of person for your family, for your children, for the kingdom of God. Again, Ephesians 3 and verse 20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power and work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So God is able to do immeasurably more. That's true. But what if we demonstrate no initiative on our own behalf? Will he really do it all force. Our lives need impetus. Our lives need initiative. People who get ahead, people who set and achieve goals are the people who consistently take the initiative in life. Initiative is an introductory step. The energy or aptitude displayed in the beginning of action or enterprise. Initiative is to take action independently of outside influence or control. One day this past week, we were amazed by Julia because she, she sat down by herself. No one said anything. I didn't tell her anything. Jessica didn't tell her anything. And little Julia, four years old, she, she began folding laundry like she had been to military boot camp. <laughs> I, I have never seen anyone fold laundry so precisely. She folded even the underwear, was putting the socks together, making sure the little frilly things that girl socks have were pulled over correctly. I was amazed. Well, she took the initiative. She demonstrated initiative. Once there was a married couple, and they, they were not happy. She was not happy with him. He was not happy with her. And in talking to them and, and working through that, I found out that she had a honey-do list like any good wife has, 
And there's nothing wrong with the honeydew list. Now, the house I grew up in, Jessica will tell you, my, my challenge is, I, I believe stuff should have been done yesterday. And Jessica will tell you, if something needs to be done, I'm thinking about it, I'm Googling it, we're going to get it done. Today, tomorrow, first thing in the morning, it's happening. Emails are being sent. Phone calls are being made. So I'm a little over the top on getting stuff done. Well, the, this, this wife said she had these items on a to-do list, and some of those items had been on there for a year, two years. So that, that's, that's not taking the initiative. You don't have initiative when the boss has to tell you 25 times to make the phone call. So in our lives, if we want to be successful, we've got to demonstrate some initiative. Regardless of what anyone else is doing, you must be willing to take action in your own life. You've got to be willing to take action, to do what is necessary, to do the right thing in your own life. Initiative is the power or opportunity to act, to take charge before others do. You know, when Christine and I were growing up, she's two years younger than me, when we were little, we'd go eat restaurants. When we used up the, the coloring sheets they gave us or the crowns they give you when you walk in, get seated, when those crowns broke, I would always try and talk her into going to get the crowns for me. You know, and it's funny, Samuel, Samuel's kind of the same way. He wanted more crowns this week, and I, I said, go get them. And he wanted Michaela, or he wanted Sophia, or he wanted Julia to go get him some more crowns. Son, take the initiative. You've heard Pastor tell the story about how when I was little, we were at a ball game. And that's not the, the ballpark, which was so pretty, but the stadium before that, the blue one, which wasn't so pretty. We were at a Rangers game, and we were sitting along the, the first base line, and there was a fly ball, and it, it landed near us. And, you know, I just sat in my chair. I, I thought the ball would just come to me. And I was so disappointed that I didn't get the ball. So my father told me, son, you got to take the initiative. Well, was it too much longer? There was another fly ball, and it landed in the aisle and bounced and bounced, and then it went on the dugout. Well, my father had said, take the initiative. So I ran down there to go get it and climbed out on the dugout. You've heard, he tells the story better than I do, that he, he shouted, Austin! And then the, the people in that area, they were shouting, Austin, Austin, Austin! <laughs> Well, that, that was not quite what he meant by taking the initiative. Amen. But, but if you want something, if you want to have something, if you want to get paid on Friday, you got to have some initiative. Tell your neighbor, say, take the initiative. Tell your other neighbor, say, take the initiative. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. As we've learned, James defines faith as taking action. So we could read Hebrews 11 and verse 6 this way, without action. Without action, it is impossible to please God. And where there's no initiative, there's no action. Without action, it is impossible to please God. Our lives need impetus and initiative. Impetus and initiative result in action. So stop trying to get faith. Instead, release the faith you already have. 
and we release our faith by taking action on the Word of God. Constantly find ways, look for ways, constantly, to take action on the Word of God. The power of God is released when we take action. So you've got to get started. You've got to take action. You've got to start taking some action toward the fulfillment of your dreams. And I, I know, I, I know, when we deal with savings, it's quiet. But I, I told Jessica this past week, the, the very same people that, that say they, they have no savings, they're the same people that aren't even setting aside $100 a month. And $100 a month, that's just $1,200 at the end of the year. But if you did that over 10 years, it'd be more than $1,200. It'd be more than $10,000. And so the, we, we sabotage ourselves when we can't take the action we want to take, but you'll never get there if you don't start taking some action, no matter how small it may be. So you've got to start taking action and taking some action toward the fulfillment of your dreams, whatever they may be. Now, there, there are young people that, that want to get want to get married. Well, you got to come to church early. <laughs> got to come ready and dressed and prepared with your game face on. <laughs> Looking, seeking. And you can't just like stuff on Facebook or Instagram. You got to talk to people. You got to ask her out. Yeah, it's 2021. You may have to ask him out. If you want to get to a goal, you got to take some action. It's quiet. A few weeks ago, a man that doesn't live here locally, but he, he watches online all the time, he's been believing God for a job. And he, of course, had, he had sent his resume out and he had made inquiries and that didn't get the result he wanted. And so he, he I could tell from his email he was a little sad, a little blue, and I, I thought about it. The, the Holy Spirit is our, our help. And he's a teacher. So I, I sent him a nice email back to encourage him. I said, hey, with, with all that's going on, why don't you look for online teaching opportunities? Have, have you thought of checking with this? Have you thought of checking with that? Have you thought about maybe doing what you do, but doing it online, even if it's only temporarily? Well, he sent one email back. He was thrilled. He sent another email back. He was more than thrilled. Within less than 24 hours, he had multiple job offers. So look, I, I know you may be feeling sad. You may feel blue about this or that. You got to shake that off. You got to do as David did and encourage yourself in the Lord and take some action. Maybe repeat the actions you've already taken. Maybe take some New actions, amen. Pray, ask the Holy Spirit what to do, amen. Amen. He's our help. He's our comforter. He's the giver of ideas. You know, how did Jacob know what to do with the spotted and speckled sheep? Well, that idea didn't come from Satan. It came from the Holy Spirit. So you got to get started. You got to take action got to take some action toward the fulfillment of your dreams. Success is only achieved by those who try. Where there is nothing to lose by trying, and a great deal to gain if successful, try and keep on trying. 
Only you can choose for yourself. Decisions without actions are worthless. Tenacity is all about action. And tenacity is applied, persistent, consistent action. So you've got to direct your thoughts. You've got to control your emotions and your feelings so you can ordain your destiny. To move to action, desire has to be joined to ambition and initiative. Good decisions must be followed through with action. Without action, a good decision is often meaningless. Desire dies through a lack of action. So you've got to act immediately on good decisions. You know, it's a good thing to work on getting things paid off. Amen. It's a good idea to work on saving some money and investing some money. You know, while you're at work, the people in Washington are making foolish, ridiculous decisions, digging the hole deeper, so we've got to be a greater success for the kingdom of God and for our families. So act immediately on good decisions. To win in this life, forget what is behind. Tell your neighbor, say, forget what is behind. Tell your other neighbor, say, forget it. Forget. Tell your other neighbor, say, forget whoever it was. Forget. You got to forget what is behind. And so much of this culture is, it emphasizes dwelling on the past and talking about the past. You got to do what the Apostle Paul said. Forget what is behind and reach forward, strain toward your goals in Christ. Faith constantly strains to go to new levels. If you want a miracle, you've got to take action. If you want a financial miracle, you've got to take action. If you want a miracle in your work, you've got to take action. If you want a miracle in your home or your family or in your marriage or in what's going on in your home, you've got to take action. To walk in covenant with God, you've got to take action. You've got to do something about what you say you believe. And only take the actions that agree with your objective. Do the things that will take you toward your goals and avoid any actions that will hinder you in reaching your goals. Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 26. We'll end with an example from Genesis 26 where we have the story of Isaac and the Philistines. Genesis 26 beginning in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land beside the earlier famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. So no matter what you think you should do, we should always ask the Lord what to do. We should always follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how before major life decisions, work, family, career, marriage. People don't ask the Lord what to do. Always ask the Lord what to do. Always follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. So blessing follows obedience. Blessing happens when we ask the Lord what to do, and we do what the Lord says. Blessing follows our being led by the Holy Spirit. For to you and your descendants I will give these lands and will confirm the oath, the oath I swore to your father Abraham. Verse 12. Skip down to verse 12. 
Isaac planted crops in that land. It was a time of famine. But the Lord said, stay. The Lord said, stay where you are. Go to work. Be productive. And I will be with you and I will bless you. So verse 12, what did Isaac do? He just went to work. He just kept being busy, being productive. He wasn't a busy body. He was productive. Isaac planted crops in that land. It was a time of famine. But he took action and demonstrated initiative. And the same year. Say the same year. Well, what year? The year of famine. The same year he reaped a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. So you've got to have the guts to obey. Got to have the guts to take action. Got to have the guts to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Isaac reaped a hundredfold because he did what God said. He reaped a hundredfold because he took action on what God said. The man became rich. Say rich. So, so if you're a doubter, it's right there in the Word of God, Genesis 26, verse 13. He became rich. Say it again. Say, say rich. rich. And when you have plenty, you're not dependent on man. You're not dependent on Egypt. You're not dependent on the Philistines. You're not dependent on Abimelech. And see, the, the goal of the world system, the goal of government, is to get us to be dependent so we live our lives with our hands out being told what to do. It's evil. It is wicked. And so he looked at God as a source. Verse 13, the man became rich. His wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. Say, say very wealthy. So our job in faith is not done until we become wealthy and very wealthy. And I would remind you of what Proverbs says, that a good man, what kind of man? A good man leaves an inheritance not just to his children, but to his children's children. Verse 14, he had so many flocks and herds and servants, the Philistines envied him. So your job in faith is not done until the Philistines envy you. So all the wells, and this was what happens when people are envious, they are jealous, so all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. You know, who fills up wells in the Middle East? The lowest of the low. You know, if you live in arid places in the Middle East, you need water. You need more than enough water. You need plenty of water, and you cannot have too many wells. So what kind of people fill up or stop up wells? Evil, wicked people. The critics are always the biggest losers. So they filled them up with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. He reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. So he gave them the same names. He honored his father. He gave them the same names. He didn't reinvent the success formula of his father. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. So they dug new wells and they prospered. Isaac took action. He demonstrated initiative. Verse 20, but the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, the water is ours. Jealousy, criticism, envy. So he named the well Essek, which means dispute or disputed, because they disputed with him. 
They dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna, which means opposition. So he kept digging new wells. He kept prospering, but they were jealous. They were envious. But Isaac kept taking action. He kept demonstrating initiative. So maybe you face opposition at work. Maybe at work you face jealousy or envy or criticism. Maybe at work someone's trying to take credit for your work. Keep being faithful. Keep being consistent. Keep taking action. Keep demonstrating initiative. Verse 22, he moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. So he just kept going. No matter what the opposition was, he just kept going. Taking action, demonstrating initiative. He named it Rehoboth, meaning room saying, now the Lord has given us room and we will flourish in the land. When you obey God, when you do what's right, when you do what's right, there will be disputes, there will be opposition, but if you will persevere with impetus and initiative, God will bring you to the place where there is room God will bring you to the place where there is plenty. God will bring you to the place where you flourish and you prosper. So you've got to not be sad. You've got to not quit and not throw in the towel. There may be some disputes. There may be some opposition. Keep going. Keep persevering. Keep taking action. Keep demonstrating initiative. And he'll take you to the place where there's room. There's plenty where you flourish. From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I will bless you and increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. So he believed. Isaac believed. He took action. And then God spoke a new promise to him. But it was after Isaac did what God said to do. You might say, Austin, I want the Lord to tell me something new, to give me a new promise, a new word, a new confirmation. Well, have you done the last thing the Lord told you to do? He built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. That was his way of giving God thanks. That was his way of acknowledging God was his source and his source for the hundredfold return. He pitched his tent and his servants dug a well. So he kept taking action. He kept demonstrating initiative. Meanwhile, Abimelech had come from Gerar, and Ahuzath, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked them, why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, we saw clearly the Lord was with you. Faith can be seen. Faith is tangible. And this is why people have trouble with the blessing of the Lord. Faith can be seen. I was so grieved in the last few weeks because I, I turned on the service of what is supposed to be a faith ministry. Still not having church, still not having church in person. And I was so grieved, I, I saw the worship. And they had a, the worship team but they were all in their own little confined spaces with plexiglass barriers. It was more ridiculous than Chili's was a year ago. 
And I thought, how sad to think that we know Jesus, the great physician, yet to be so full of fear and not full of faith. Faith can be seen. And action can be seen. And the blessing that rewards action can be seen. And so the Philistines came and they said, we saw, we saw, we saw the Lord was with you. So your job in faith is not done until even your critics, till even your enemies admit you are blessed by the Lord. So we said, we saw clearly the Lord was with you. So we said, there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm just as we did not molest you, but always treated you well. They're, they're lying. Well, we never did anything to you. We never talked bad about you. We never put a negative Facebook post about you. We never stopped up any of your wells. We always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. See, this is to be our witness in 2021. In the midst of whatever the world is doing, we're living for God. Full of faith, salt and light, full of peace, not fear, full of faith, not fear, living our lives, working, being productive, raising children and grandchildren to serve the Lord, not afraid, full of faith. And so we live that way because Paul said our lives are to win the respect of outsiders. And our lives were not to be dependent on anyone. So you got to live with impetus if you want to come to the place where the world says, we see you are blessed by the Lord. There ought to be impetus in our lives. 1 John 4 and verse 4 tells us the one in you is greater than the one in the world. Romans 8, 11 tells us the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead, dwells in you. Yeah. Ephesians 3.20 tells us, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. So you've got to release God's ability and power in your life by taking action. You've got to take action and begin moving toward the fulfillment of your goals. You've got to take action and begin moving toward the fulfillment of your dreams. God is calling us to more, not less. And we, we shouldn't have a lesser thanksgiving because of everything going on in the world. The world may do without, but the people of God should not. And we see in the life of Isaac, the world was in famine, but the man of God, the covenant man, the faith man, the man with some impetus, he was blessed of the Lord in the midst of it all. That ought to be our witness. That ought to be our testimony. God is calling us to more, not less. Tell your neighbor, say, God is calling you to more, not less. Tell your other neighbor, say, God is calling you to more, not less. So take charge of your life. Take the action you know you should take for a better tomorrow. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and perhaps you've never given your life to God. You've never accepted 
Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior of your life. God loves you. He has a wonderful plan, and he has a wonderful purpose for your life, and it all begins by giving your life to him, repenting of your sins, and asking Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. This world we live in, it'll lie to you. It'll tell you that you can believe whatever you want. You can do your own thing. If you're just kind of good enough, that's sufficient. You can create your own path to God. Those are all lies. The Bible says that every man, every woman has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. And so the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You might be here today and say, Austin, I've never done that. I've never believed upon Jesus, but I want to. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to know that God is my father, that heaven is my home. I don't want to live another day of my life without God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, but I want to give him my life. I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, but I want to give my life to him. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I want to give my life to the Lord. Wherever you're seated, if you would, raise your hand so I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to be a part of the family of God. Austin, pray with me. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. That's you, raise your hand to where I'll see it. You might also be here today and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked it out, but you know in your heart, you've not been living for the Lord. You've been doing your own thing, and in doing that, you have paid a terrible price. The Bible says the wages of sin, it is death. But the gift of God, it is eternal life. The Bible says the mercies of God are new every morning. You can have a new beginning. You can have a fresh start. Jesus stands at the door. He, he's knocking. And maybe you close the door. All you have to do is open the door and ask him to come in and to fellowship with you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9 that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I need to recommit my life. I need to make things right with the Lord before I leave today. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand where I'll see it so I know you want me to pray with you. Raise your hand say, Austin, pray with me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with the Lord before I go today. For the sake of any watching online, you might be watching online, say, Austin, I've never given my life to the Lord, but I want to. I want to accept Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. I want to live for God. If you're watching or listening online, pray this simple prayer with me, with us. Say this prayer. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I give you my life. In times gone by, I've gone my own way, and I have paid the price. But I give my life to you, and I ask Jesus into my heart. I ask Jesus to be my Lord, and to be my Savior. Thank you 
for welcoming me and your family. Thank you for taking out of my life anything that would hinder me in living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer watching, listening online now or later, go to fccarlington.com forward slash salvation. There's a short form to fill out. You can let us know you prayed. We'll send you a copy of God's very own child to be a blessing to you. It's a short, easy book to read, but it'll help you get started in living the Christian life. We want to be a blessing to you. Let's take a moment, lift your hands. Father God, I thank you. For in each of our lives, I thank you for showing me the action that I need to take, the small actions, the big actions, the things that I need to do, the decisions that need to be made to change my life for the better, to enable me, to empower me, to reach my goals. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.